Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 280th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Um, I got a new car this week. Let's go. I wouldn't wish the car buying process on my worst enemy. No, no, no. But we have a new car. That's all that matters. Yeah. What'd you go with? Uh, we bought a Subaru Outback. Love a Subaru. I'm not a big outdoorsy guy, but yeah, I still like a Subaru. It makes you, does driving it make you want to hit the trails? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Throw the kayak on Just top. see what and, I can do, yeah. Yeah. Throw the kayak on top, yeah. Makes sense. Did you have to battle it out in the finance department? Oh, yeah, you know, you got to gotta hold your own a little bit. Yeah. Or they'll take you for everything you're worth. You're a really good negotiator. I know that from our that's previous what, business dealings. That's what I found out. Yeah. yeah. All those fantasy football trades. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to think if I've done anything interesting. Um, mostly watching kids' movies. Watch the Mario, Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. Pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Have you seen it? I have. Oh, yeah. It's a nice little... Uh, nostalgia hit yeah and uh looks gorgeous so can't complain too much for a kids movie actually a little violent honestly it probably olivia not old enough for it technically because just a, a lot of fighting so they're just always mad at each other yeah she's wanting to punch everything now oh yeah um what are we going to talk about on the podcast this week we're going to talk about missouri's terrible awful basketball team for a little bit see if we can maybe get to the bottom of what's going on there and we are going to continue our football season recap. Uh, we'll be talking about the second half of the season and any news that we can think of along the way. Um, but we will start it off with basketball. It's not looking good, Kyle. Missouri falls to 8-11 and 11 on the season, 0-6 in SEC play. I forgot to ask people to subscribe. Before we get into it, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Kyle, 0-6 in SEC play, another 0-2 week. It's not looking good. Um, season's over. What are, what are we... It's been a while since we've been this far out of anything yeah i mean this early yeah it really feels like there's there's nothing to play for this season um you know we've talked about getting the young guys some run and kind of just getting them some game experience and that kind of stuff i think that's really uh that's probably that's probably what you're focused on and dennis gates would probably never tell you that um and honestly he hasn't really been playing the guys like that like with that in mind i think you know he's we maybe we have seen the young guys play a little bit more in the last just couple of games here but well, the way you can kind of pull another year of eligibility out of nowhere, maybe he's thinking, yeah, we're going to apply for some waivers this off season. I hope not. <laughs> I yeah, it does feel like he. Um, it does feel like Dennis Gates is a, is a different man on the sidelines a little bit. The, yeah. At least the past month or so, like he's yeah. a little bit more animated. He's been visibly angry with like the yeah. refs and yeah. sometimes even the players and stuff. So yeah, I think he's frustrated. Yeah, I mean, not winning games, obviously you don't want this to happen, but the result is I think everybody's going to feel the pressure a little bit. The players are going to feel it. The coach, 
is probably trying to absorb as, as much of that as he can from the players. Yeah, it's like you want to play the young guys for next year, but what are you going to do? Go winless in SEC play? Exactly. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, no coach wants to do that. Nobody yeah. wants to watch that happen. Knowing that you're probably going to have to bring in three or four starter-level transfers this offseason. And, yeah. Um, Missouri lost to uh, Florida, but Tamar Bates uh, set a Mizzou SEC record with 36 points in that game. Uh, but they lost to Florida 79-67. Bates, 12 of 17 from two the rest of the team eight for 20 yeah i mean i think tamar bates proved in this game that he's probably one of the most talented players on the team if not the most talented and maybe he should just start trying to take over games a little bit more often because you know he's clearly more athletically gifted uh than really anybody else on the team you know he's long he can shoot um and he can kind of get in the lane better than anyone else has been doing he is quietly putting together a 50-40-90 season. He's shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. Um, we talked about that like two years ago or the off season when Isaiah Mosley transferred to Mizzou because he had just put up that kind of season at Missouri State. Um, it's a, what a weird time to like have that kind of season and it, it not really mean a whole lot it feels pretty hollow yeah and it doesn't really feel like it's happened watching the games uh but he scored half of our points against florida yeah and it's so frustrating because it feels like what we're seeing with him is that offensive efficiency bump in dennis gates system that we saw from kobe brown we're seeing something like that with him at this point and we saw that a little bit with east earlier in the season He's still playing well, but I don't know. It's like every single player on this roster is needing to do. It's like we have a starting five of guys who would all be really good sixth men. (laughs) And then uh, that's just, I don't know. We don't have that number one guy, I feel like. I mean, Tamar Bates, his usage is not incredibly high his efficiency off the charts. So that's a perfect like three and D wing. Like we thought we were going to get, um, but it's not your high usage go-to guy. I mean, I just don't think that that's necessarily his game. It could be next season. Um, Missouri also lost to Texas A&M 63 to 57. And I just feel like the conversation now has to be, how do we not let this happen next year? You, you and I, Kyle, how do we make sure this doesn't happen next year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was... I mean, it, it was almost like this... Uh, like a tease, because we were within range, really, this whole game. Yeah. And we were... Uh, we started off hot. We were in the lead in the first half. and uh, But Missouri just got killed in the free throw game, like we do, really, every game. But it felt especially painful... In this game, just because we lost by what five points, yeah. it was really kind of at arm's length the entire time. Um, free throw attempts, Missouri attempted ten, Texas A and M attempted thirty seven. Yeah, so I mean that that just the to me that's going to be that's like the skeleton key to 
to fix what's happening going forward. And maybe these players are just incapable of drawing fouls. We've talked about it really almost every week. Yeah, the, the guards are undersized, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, I mean, this just has to be, in my opinion, what Dennis Gates just makes the main focus going forward. How do we get to the free throw line? Because we can't have a minus 27 free throw differential and expect to beat literally anyone. Right, right. Especially when we're not shooting that well from the field as it is. Yeah. And when we're getting to the free throw line, we're shooting really well. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm thinking back to last year, and I feel like what you would hear the uh, commentators say so often is like, we're talking about Isaiah Mosley, talking about DeAndre Golston, Kobe Brown. These were guys that were all very good in one-on-one situations. They, the guy, you didn't even need a mismatch. They could just go to work on their defender and get themselves open for a shot or put their defender in a situation where they're either going to give up an open shot or foul. Yeah. And this squad this year has approximately zero guys yeah. who can just take their man in a one-on-one situation. I like Sean East can get those mismatches where he's posting up a smaller guard and he's got his up and under moves and pivot foot moves that look really good. Yeah. But he's got his get into the lane and then pick up the dribble and look to pass move also. Yes. And with like what we always talk about with the guards getting in there and not being able to do anything, the defenders don't have to foul. Yeah. They can just play good defense and force our guards into these weird fall away floaters and stuff. Yeah. And like to Sean East credit, he knows teams are going to try to run him off the free run him off the three point line and he's going to have to score in the paint with a floater or something and he's good at it. But I don't know. It just like uh you see uh Carlero Martin uh just providing nothing offensively. And like you would think okay, against Texas A&M, uh 29 minutes, 0 points, over 2 from the field. Well, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. But then also five turnovers. Yeah. He'll have like just, one savvy pass and yeah. coach is like, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> an experienced player right here. Yeah. Yeah. I think just to put a bow on the on the free throw thing, I mean, I was looking coming into the game against AM, Missouri had attempted 301 free throws this season. That's dead last in the SEC. In 13th place was Kentucky, who had attempted 345. So that's. 44 more free throws than Missouri is the second to last. And the, most of the teams are like in the 400s. And at this point, you just can't you can't keep going like that where you're just not drawing fouls. And um, you better be shooting lights out from three if you're going to do that. And we definitely aren't. Speaking of Kentucky for a second, um, it seems really unfair that Kentucky is like, you know, already have 12 wins on the season. Uh, they've they're three and one in conference play and then middle of january they debut a seven foot two just like nba player basically who's throwing behind the back passes making threes immediately blocking shots yeah just comes in mid-season and starts dominating big z they call him so don't look forward to playing against him but uh yeah so kentucky just uh doing everything right apparently they've figured out a way to incorporate their freshmen off the bench perfectly like coach cal he's got to figure it out i think unless um, they're playing against south carolina true south carolina good apparently 
hey, we get to play them again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, like looking at the roster here, I don't like Sean East, Nick Honor, Noah Carter, Connor Vanover, and Caleb Grill. We'll get Caleb Grill back at some point, but at, offensively, he was still only shooting like 29% from three. I think he's, you know, bringing the effort defensively and knows what coach wants from him there, but I don't think we can. And he'll have a game or two probably where he lights it up, but I don't think he's the guy that fixes the offense when he comes back. No, I think uh, Tamar Bates has to be the go-to guy at this point. They, he probably isn't really built for that, but I think he's probably the most likely candidate to be that, like put the team on his back and just start driving to the bucket and see what happens kind of player. He did that against Florida. He did it well. Um, and, you know, he can shoot from three a little bit. That's probably still not his strength, but... I don't know, man. Just like you said, uh, we have a team full of role players and yeah. and guys that can fill roles really well. But you know, they're expected. They're, they're right now. They're being expected to play a role that they can't fill consistently. Right. So I'm I'm already thinking about next year. I'm thinking about this off season a little bit because it is a little bit worrisome. And I'm seeing people on Twitter, on the internet, potentially overreacting and starting to turn on Coach Gates a little bit which that's always going to happen when you, you know, start 0 and 6 in SEC play. But I don't know, kind of like comparing early comparing Coach Gates at Mizzou so far to Drink. Like we gave Coach Drinkwitz a fairly long leash to get things going after just, you know, 500 seasons. It was like, okay, we need to get something going, but obviously he was recruiting at a at a new level that Missouri hadn't seen in a while. And then it all came to fruition in this past season. Well, Coach Gates comes out and wins an NCAA tournament game in year one and also has the recruiting class coming in that, you know, he's yeah making Send, strides there. Sends two players to the NBA who yeah. are not on the radar whatsoever before yes, the season. Exactly. And so I feel like worst case scenario in my mind, how I'm evaluating these two seasons, I'm basically in my head combining them into the equivalent of two middling 500 seasons. Yeah, I think the problem is, you know, in football, you play 12 games yeah. and once a week, and the season's over in a blink. And then in basketball, we're playing twice a week. We're, we're, we're uh, well, we're losing twice a week. Yeah. And every single time we lose, there's got to be a whole commentary started on online, and yeah. the whole, all the takes just have to happen over and over and over. So it's happening more uh, repeatedly. But yeah, and I mean, that's. On Twitter, there's there's no room for nuance, and you know it's very easy to um, be very dramatic or p- appear like you're being dramatic, and maybe you aren't. But True. I don't know that you know. I'm I'm definitely not panicking on Dennis Gates. I think, and I think there's a, a way that you can criticize or maybe not understand fully some of the rotations or the free throw discrepancy, like we talked about, and still not be hitting like fire Dennis Gates button. Yeah, and yeah, I think we do have to just have some hope that he knows what's going on and he's going to get some more talent in here and things will be better. So I am, I'm a little bit worried though about, and it's a little bit too early maybe to be thinking this way, but what are you going to do when you can't win games? Um, this off season, I feel like we're already going to lose those five seniors, East honor Carter Vanover grill out of eligibility. 
So it was always going to look like somewhat of a new team next year. A lot of freshmen coming in. It's a lot of usage. Yes. That's that's graduating. Exactly. And so we had got the news last week about John Tanjay with getting another year because of a uh, medical red shirt. But I'm looking down at this list of guys who could who are in line to return, and I'm just starting to get a little bit nervous because what does John Tanjay look like a year from now having not played very much at all in any sort of meaningful basketball uh, since last season, basically? Um, Bates returns, but I mean... Sometimes it feels like he and Coach Gates are not on the same page entirely. That's reading a lot into that, thinking that that would be something that he would leave over. But I don't know. Just go with me here for a sec. I'm going. Uh, JCM, not getting much out of him, but he's got another year of el- eligibility. So what does that look like? Uh, Kurt Lewis, Juco guy coming in, hasn't done much. He has another year of, year of eligibility. I feel like any of those older players with eligibility could be gone this offseason. Sure. Bates would hurt the worst, definitely. And he's probably the one that the rest of the season, I'm going to be just watching, is he getting the minutes? Does he have a green light the rest of the way? If there comes a point where he's sitting or is not as involved in the offense, I think that's going to be a red flag as far as maybe him moving on. But... This team, this record is going to look so bad by the end of the season that we're not going to be in a position to be upset when any of these guys don't come back next year. Yeah, I think that's just basically the conclusion we're going to have to come to is this team is not going to be good. We already know that. And there's going to be some carnage at the end of the year, whether it's guys graduating, whether it's guys transferring up or down, maybe. Um, Probably not a lot of transferring up going on, but um, I think we're going to actually probably be happy whenever this roster is turning over and even if that means losing a couple of guys that we could that we that could be productive potentially next year um i think we're going to be happy just to to get a a fresh look at the roster next year and that's a that's a win-win take uh by us because that's just a classic prove me wrong situation that's exactly what's going to happen too (laughs) all these guys come back and then go to the ncaa tournament (laughs) um so we talked about a few of those guys. Aiden Shaw is a guy that I don't see going anywhere. Yeah. I think he's bought in yep. and not worried. Um, now, the freshmen, we've got Anthony Robinson, Jordan Butler, and Trent Pierce. And I feel like their situations are all a little bit different. I feel like Butler, you just got to kind of ride it out. You're a freshman being asked to do a little bit too much, but I don't think he's being put out there in a way that's going to like ruin his career or anything right with a backup real quick yeah just about Aiden Shaw yeah I think he'll be on the team I I think the next thing becomes will he make an impact I don't I'm not sure yeah but yes the freshman yeah I mean Burns has honestly played pretty well Butler Butler you got Uh ahead of yourself Uh to the recruiting class here we are are. (laughs) Butler has played pretty well the last couple games you know I think he's he's shown some things for a guy that's you know seven feet tall or however however tall he is uh he maybe uh took a couple of bad shots in uh the most pivotal possession of the game yeah against against, A&M yes but you know I think that that's just going to happen especially with a team that hasn't won any games who cares yeah just 
let the young guys have that moment. He and, was open and learn from it. He was open. Yeah. Uh, he's had some some nice drives and stuff. He's he's proven that you know he's got some good moves and stuff. So yeah, he's a guy that I think you probably want to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Um, Trent Pierce. Now Trent Pierce and Ant are I think kind of opposite stories for me in my head at least. I feel like they both have shown like both of their ceilings. I feel like are future NBA player and um. Robinson has enough, I think, like uh, his measurables, plus he's flashed a few times early in the season that my concern about him looking at the offseason is that teams are going to be snooping around trying to get him to transfer, uh, you know, to someplace that we'd view as like a competitor or like a an up-and-coming team that's looking for some point guard depth. Yeah. I... I want to make you feel better, Cameron. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> uh, if he if he wants to play at Missouri, I think he's going to be. A, I think that will happen. I don't. There's going to be a thousand people in the transfer portal. True. I personally don't think he's. And I think coaches are looking for stats. They're looking mm-hmm. for who made an impact on on the stat sheet. Who's who's scoring and 15 points a game, that kind of stuff. And you know he's he has shown some flashes, but I don't know that he's shown enough to like garner the attention of you know the the bigger teams that want to come calling i could totally be wrong i hope i but the way i'm imagining it is like if a coach out there is interested in him i feel like there's a sales pitch that's like listen this is an nba comp we have for you mm-hmm. Come here, and they're gonna try to. They're gonna be selling him on it a little it's bit. Maybe so like, teams that he had high school relationships with, yeah, potentially. Come here for one year. We're gonna let you run the show, put up your stats, and then go to the NBA. That's that's what I think teams could be selling him on this off season. Is like, come here for a year, and go pro. Yeah, because I feel like there will be enough buzz, and I'm maybe just getting too caught up in his measurables. But uh, I mean, what he, it just feels like he's had some opportunities to to bury some threes and hasn't quite. What's he shooting from three? Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Because I mean, I hope they hold on to him. He's definitely shown some flashes. Five of twenty six on the year. That's good for nineteen percent. And and you're right. Looking at his uh, game log here, after about after the Wichita State game, December third. He goes a little stretch of not playing a ton. He's injured, uh, has to set out the Kentucky game. And then the last four games, he's averaging about 14 minutes per game, 13 minutes per game. I don't know. I, I think you have to just keep giving him minutes and see what he can do. And if he starts performing really well and the, the big boys come calling, then I don't know. I guess yeah. you got to fight that battle after the season, but if we'll he, see. Yeah, I guess, yeah. My concern is that that, that early season the flashes early on could have given him an idea of like, Oh yeah, I can do this and, you know, take on the challenge of trying to transfer up. Yeah. Um, Trent Pierce, I feel like he's in a pretty opposite situation where he has that still has that ceiling, but has shown even less. Right. And, uh, yeah, he's a guy, he's a guy that's like not afraid to shoot at all either gets in there. And just starts firing away, and honestly, I'm fine with it. Like that's at this point, that's I feel like what I would find most entertaining about a Missouri basketball game is uh, Anthony Robinson, Trent Pierce. Show me what you can do. Like, give us some hope here. Yeah, 
Yeah, and uh, watching the last two games, I mean, how many times it's it's so painful when Missouri's on offense, you see them work the ball around for to get absolutely no advantage yeah. on the possession. Yeah, what's the end goal? The, yeah. the defense is not even a little bit like out of place <laughs> after Missouri has worked through their you know, yeah. passing the ball around. Which Missouri definitely doesn't do when they're on defense. Right. Like they're always like chasing yes. the ball and scrambling stuff. around. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, and like last game against Texas A&M, there were multiple possessions where, uh, JCM is just like pivoting at the top of the key, looking for somebody to pass it to. Yeah, which he also missed a pretty big shot and a pivotal moment against A&M as well. Um, Ugh. yeah, Trent Pierce, I think you just, I hope, I hope they're patient with him and they may not be in a position where they can be. I don't know. Um, they might be just trying to hit the transfer portal as hard as they can, but uh, hopefully he's a guy that sticks around because I, you know, if they give him a shot, I think that I'm still pretty high on him. And I think he could be really good. I agree with you. Yeah. And you can't coach, you know, 6'11 yeah. with a, yeah. you know, shooting touch. Yeah. Uh, and now there are reinforcements coming already next year. Hear me out real quick. Yeah, let's hear it. Kurt Lewis. Yeah, okay. He gets in there and like actually gets to the basket. Yeah, like, okay. Very, very limited action. Not the savior of the team or anything like that. But I, I wouldn't mind giving him some more opportunities. You know, he's he's kind of a spark, honestly, when he gets in there. He's like, he's just fearless. He gets to the basket and... Yeah. Nobody else is really doing that. I could see that. Probably not shooting that. from three very well, but nobody else is either. Yeah. 22% from three, 47% from two. Like, just no usage whatsoever, though. Yeah. So, yeah. very small sample size. Yeah. Mm, somebody needs to put the ball in the basket. <laughs> uh, but I, it was like, as the Texas A&M game is happening, I see a tweet come across my feed of future Missouri Tiger and or Boateng throwing down an off-the-backboard alley-oop in a game. And... That was nasty. For a moment, all my problems disappeared. Five-star. Yeah. And or Boateng. Yeah. From the state of Arkansas. Yeah. Coming home. (laughs) And so we do have this recruiting class. Boateng, Peyton Marshall, Marcus Allen, Trent Burns, T.O. Barrett, ready to come in, reinforcements on their way, whatever they can get in the transfer portal, whichever of these guys return that have eligibility. I mean, that's what we're looking at for next year. That's pretty much all you can think about at this point is just that fresh start of those five guys coming in and whoever they can bring in in the transfer portal. There there will be shooters in the portal, and that's got to be the priority because it might be a sin to even say this out loud, Uh I'll judge you. Go ahead. Okay. Maybe it's maybe I, I need it, but the recruiting class is great. Mm-hmm. Number two in the country. All these guys are super talented. They have great measurables. I am a little afraid, though, that still none of these guys can shoot very well. And uh. they have they they have great high school highlights. And, you know, some definitely more than others, but even like the great wing, measurables, yeah, yeah, even like the the wing players, like. I'm not sold that they can shoot super well at the college level, and obviously I hope that I'm just dead wrong. Well, I mean, historically freshmen don't come in and shoot lights out from three anyway, uh, but I feel like there's going to be room for Boateng to do his thing, and you got to go get a shooter in the portal. Yeah. 
somebody. There's who, really no reason for me even to be like worrying about that at this point because yeah. it's our only hope that those guys are good. Yeah. But that is probably that's like the one thing in the back of my mind. Like that's like my my very mild concern. Yeah. And yeah, you just go get shooting in the portal. Yeah. So we've basically done one of those things where like this is year zero. Yeah. You know, like this is the rebuild year, and it needs to. Oh, and almost can only go up from here. Yeah. Missouri somehow beat Pittsburgh earlier in the season. Yeah. It's it's going to be a bumpy road, but sometimes, assuming things get better, these can be kind of like rewarding situations where you yeah. kind of see it through and rebuild the roster how you want to build it. And as far as we can tell, no players are quitting on this team. No players are quitting yep. on this it coaching honest, staff. Feels They're like, still in these games yeah. for a long time. Yep. They're playing hard. Yeah. Just like, Ball is just not going I don't in. know how much longer I personally could keep doing it. I, I'm i okay with watching them on TV, though. That much I can do. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, what if I told you there's a really good opportunity to split this week? There's two games on the schedule, and I think Missouri's got a good chance of winning one of them. I've heard that before. Uh, next up, at South Carolina. Already lost to them at home, so maybe that's out of the question. But So forget about that one. But then, that's a loss. Then... Home game against Arkansas. Okay. I might be buying the split. Is the only other SEC team who has just kind of fallen on their faces a little bit uh, compared to preseason expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- them so way more than Missouri. Yeah. Because Missouri actually didn't have all that many preseason expectations outside of fans, basically. Um, tell you a little bit about Arkansas. They are 10 and 8 on the season. Uh, conference record of one and four. They lost to Auburn, Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina, but they beat Texas A&M. Uh, on Kempom, they're ranked 100th, 95th on offense, 107th on defense. So like va- basically just a little bit better than Missouri on all of those numbers. Uh, leading scorer, uh, Tremont Mark, almost 18 points per game. He transferred from Houston. And they have a second-leading scorer, Temple transfer, Khalif Battle. Mark had 35 in their win over A&M. He can fill it up. Um, They also have a guy named Trayvon Brazil. Yeah, what's he up to? Uh, He started all 18 games for them this year. And that's why they're bad. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What is he up to? Shooting 35% from three, uh, 55% from two getting to the free throw line, blocking some shots, rebounding the ball a little bit. Nothing crazy, but just solid all around, honestly. Um, A a couple other just like random names. This season of college basketball is just like names from everywhere. Uh, They have senior Chandler Lawson. He uh, was from Memphis, uh, had a Mizzou offer forever ago. Um, Was at Memphis for two years, or was at Oregon for two years. Memphis for two years. Now he's at Arkansas. And then a guy we watched in the Tournament of Champions last year, Layden Blocker. He's a freshman on this Arkansas team. Just a hodgepodge. Yeah. Um, they're not great, but feels like they are better than Missouri. But this game's at home, and it's, you got to get up for it if you're Mizzou. Like, this might be... This is this a Saturday game? let me double check no this is next wednesday so i don't know it feels like if that one goes poorly because one thing i talked about last week was if you're playing a&m in florida 
and they're like in the bottom half of the SEC standings right now. They're trying to make their move to not be in the bottom four. Now it's Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Arkansas sitting there in the bottom four. Missouri showed this past week that they belong in the bottom four. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, you got to beat Arkansas and Vanderbilt, maybe Ole Miss later. Yeah, they've they've had plenty of chances to beat the teams that should be like in the same area of as them on the on the standings. So this has got to be the one at this point. Um at least just beat Trayvon Brazil and Arkansas <laughs> and then we can just move on. Yeah. Vanderbilt is still kind of another level. They're one eighty six in Kempom, which is kind of insane. But uh they're the only other team without a SEC win so far. Really like to see Missouri get theirs this week. Uh, so you're, we're both predicting a win over Arkansas. Absolutely, never not doing that. Uh, so we can shift gears here to football and continue our season recap. Should we talk defensive coordinator first? Not much to talk about. No. Uh, although Jim Harbaugh, breaking news to, to us thirty minutes ago, uh, is going to be the next coach of the Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers. You didn't want to try to say where they were from. I, I literally they, one time I thought they were in Las Vegas. The Raiders are in Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So that means that our little meme of Jim Ke- of uh, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, Jim uh, Kelly. Brian the, Kelly. Uh, Brian Kelly. Jim Kelly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Kelly getting the Michigan job is still alive, but yep. it seems unlikely. But uh, says who? Uh, Let's get it going. Brian Kelly Manifest to Michigan. It. Manifest it. Um, yeah, that'd be incredible. But that means Jesse Minter might be looking for a job as well. Yeah. The current defensive coordinator at Michigan, which from the get-go was kind of like a guy, pipe dream maybe, but yeah. was a guy we talked about yeah. when the job became available. So that's seemingly maybe still alive potentially. Yeah, it feels like a, feels like a long shot, but if I want to just dream for a moment as a Mizzou fan – thinking about like an 11 win season and then you actually you lose your defensive coordinator but actually it's a blessing because you upgrade could could that happen to us i mean at this point like i really wonder what's going on because you know we've we've been looking for a defensive coordinator for what two three weeks at this point um is it a long time it feels like a long time is it possible that coach drinkwitz was waiting on this very thing to happen I mean, if if literally was waiting on a Jim Harbaugh decision, that means that they think they, they can do something here. So yeah, we'll see. That'd be nice, but yeah, I mean, there's been some names pop up here and there, but like there really just hasn't really been anything concrete. There's really, I just, who knows what's going on? Yeah, truly. Uh, yeah, it feels like even like the public rumor mills have been quiet on Mizzou for a little bit. So, um, back to the season recap, um, last week we ended with the LSU game. So we are picking up with a Missouri Tiger team that is five and one coming off of a crushing loss to LSU. Um, and at this point in the season, the offense has won everybody over, taken everybody by surprise to some extent. Uh, Brady Cook's playing really well. Luther Burden's putting up stats, um, but we talked about last week the split between the running backs and how just now at the LSU game, Cody Schrader is commanding all of the 
running back touches, basically. And that brings us to a road matchup with Kentucky. And historically cursed matchup. Yes. This was a a little bit of a worrisome one. Um, I think preseason, I had this as a loss. Did we feel good going into it? I honestly can't remember. Well, yeah, because Kentucky's offense had not done a whole lot yet. Yeah. Because that was the Devin Leary revenge game. Yeah. Um, They had Ray Ray Davis that had been a really good running back, though. Yes, yes. He'd been going crazy, but Leary didn't look, like, too scary. And, however, they jump out to a 14-0 start, and it just felt like, ah, well, this is the one where everything goes terribly. Yeah, and we and we had talked about just game script wise that, you know, getting down to Kentucky would be the worst possible thing because yeah. they can just keep running and um it, at that point I don't know that we were sure that Missouri was built to to have, you know, to to build a comeback through the air. Uh but they proved us wrong, man. That was uh definitely just felt like something we hadn't seen in a while. Like, oh, they broke the script. Yes. And yeah, we hadn't I, I mean, somebody could maybe point out an example of this happening, something close to this, but I don't think we had seen a comeback like this. I mean, on the road. Yeah, just get punched in the mouth yeah. immediately in an SEC matchup. And, and, the, and the entire season changed on the fake punt pass. I it, think you're right, genuinely. I, like, that was such turning a, point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he just chucked it. What too. a call. What a play. Yeah. I was watching the highlight of that earlier today. And like, it was not a situation where Luke Bauer was like, I'm going to kind of scan the environment or, you know, wait for him yeah. to get open. It was truly like when he caught the ball, he just immediately went into just chuck it downfield mo- mode. Throw it to a spot and hope your guy is there. Yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Yeah. Um, and then it just ended up being like a classic game. Yeah, Missouri yeah. wins it 38 to 21. Yeah. I honestly feel like Kentucky was surprised yeah. that Missouri bounced back the way they did. And I mean, yeah, they ended up winning by like three touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. That was just uh, such a fun game. And the way it went from dire to a party yeah, was fantastic. I and think that's when we, you know, I truly realized this team is really good. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Kentucky's, they're not world beaters, but they were a top 25 team. Mm-hmm. Their strengths were our weaknesses. And um, to come back like we did, I think that was what, like, made me realize, okay, we are 6-1, and one, and I think that we're, we're legit. And that's an example that we will have more of as the season progresses of the offense going up against a tough defense, but doing what they need to do to get, get out of there with the win. Yeah. And the defense really stepping up, and that'll be a trend uh, for the rest of the season here, continuing into the South Carolina game that Missouri won 34 to 12. And we remember the slogan for the game we find out afterwards is rattle rattler. And they did that to perfection. And this was a South Carolina offense that could, you know, that could beat you. And uh, they have some talent and Missouri's defense holds them to 12 points. Cody Schrader runs the ball 26 times for 159 yards and two touchdowns. And, Again, it, in the second half, it's a party. Yeah. The game against South Carolina, at least in the first half, they definitely took their, their foot off the pedal in the second half because they didn't need to keep scoring. Yeah. But the first half against South Carolina felt like what I thought the game against South Dakota was going to feel like earlier right. in the year, where yeah. it was like their defense was Swiss cheese and Missouri was doing anything they wanted to do. Yeah, it was 24-3 to at halftime. Mm. And... Uh, 
so lose to LSU, but you get uh, back uh, above 500 in conference play after you beat South Carolina. And that's a game where like South Carolina fans preseason, they think that they are the dark horse to do what Missouri did this season. And there's always teams like that. I mean, we were talking about with basketball, you got to beat the teams that are going to be finished around you in, in the conference standings. And to take South Carolina, who thought they were going to be playing that type of ball and beat them 34 to 12, just like so satisfying. Yeah. But that brings us to a road matchup with number two, Georgia. And this was like, like halftime of South Carolina. Everybody's already thinking about Georgia and what a big game this could be and like a potential for a program changing win, basically considering the fact that this is the last year of divisions and you don't have a SEC East loss yet, everything's still in front of you. But for the second year in a row, Missouri falls just short against Georgia. I think we knew Georgia was like not the team they have been the last two years too. Obviously still one of the best teams in college football. Top four, you say. Top four. But still, I think we knew their limitations, um, and I think we knew how we could beat them, mm-hmm. and it really almost happened. And you know, Missouri played really well. Some horrible miscues down the stretch, but um, Missouri played a, a, probably Georgia as good as anybody did the whole year. Yeah, uh, ten to ten at halftime, and you know, just one half of football to put it away. Couldn't quite do it. Brady Cook had the back-breaking interception. Driving to take the lead, potentially. Yeah, down six in the fourth quarter. And, yeah, that's a play that uh, does not bring back good memories. But, um, yeah, just to be that close. And uh, that was the moment. Like, even in a loss, to have all of the fan base's ideas about what this season could be solidified, basically. Uh, I don't know. It kind of changed the way I thought about the rest of the season from like, well, you know, let's just give it our best shot every game to like, oh, we're supposed to win the rest of these games yeah. on the schedule. Definitely kind of went from like happy to be here to yeah. the expectation that we're going to win out. Right. And the very next game on the schedule is, I think Missouri was 14th in the polls or in the um, playoff rankings, pl- playing at home against number 13, Tennessee. And just like I was talking about with South Carolina, Tennessee thinks they're in the hunt for the SEC East championship. Right. And this is like, okay, this is it. One of these teams is going to go on to win 11 games, most likely. The other one could just kind of fall into the middle of the pack and not be heard from again. Yeah. And Missouri wins 36 to 7. Yeah. Yeah, it seems silly looking back, but you know, coming into the game, we, I think we were a little bit nervous about yeah. this matchup, and uh, obviously Tennessee quarterback, whose name I can't think of off the top of my head, Milton. Uh, yeah. Milton is not Jaden Daniels, but um, you know, we had kind of just gotten diced up by a mobile quarterback, an athletic quarterback who could who can run and throw, and um, he kind of presented that challenge that I thought could give Missouri trouble, and obviously didn't at all. Right. Um, you know, and Missouri hasn't played Tennessee super well the last few years, so um, they, you know, they this is this whole season was almost just like exercising demons a little bit. Yes, redemption, and, and just doing things that they just historically haven't done in the last you know five ten years or whatever. 
Um, yeah, and that was the Cody Schrader, uh, you know, if there was ever going to be a Cody Schrader Heisman campaign, this was the peak of it. Yeah. Uh, 205 yards rushing, another 116 yards receiving. And uh, Brady Cook with 275. The defense only holding Tennessee to seven points. Just incredible. Two fumble recoveries. Dalen Carnell with a pick six. Everything just, I don't know. The gears were all turning. Everything yeah. was syncing up perfectly that was the most fun game of the season they stood far. on business they stood, also they did they absolutely did legendary moment they right let them know yeah <laughs> oh man what a fun game um this stretch here now coming to the end of the regular season the defense is starting to deal with some injuries uh chad bailey not playing Ennis rakestraw in and out of the lineup uh tyron hopper uh i think he plays against florida but not against Arkansas. So going going into the Florida game, the defense is a little banged up, but just put together an incredible performance against Tennessee. Um, and Florida is just kind of a sneaky team that had been playing well at times, but couldn't really put it together. We knew they had a solid quarterback who could make things happen. And it all came down to fourth and 17. And a, another, you know, there's maybe... I've seen people doing like top five moments of the season and it does really feel like there's like maybe four or five standout. Like you think of Mevis's kick, Mm -hmm. you think of the fake punt and against Kentucky. And I think of this fourth and 17 against Florida has to be. Yeah. Mm. I had, I mean, honestly, did you really think they were going to convert that? No, no. You thought the game was over. Yeah. Yeah. And although like we have seen, this Missouri team randomly make drives, like put together drives late in games in crunch time that, but just fall short. But we've seen, you know, a random late throw to Theo Weiss to like, you know, against LSU. We yeah. saw them like kind of make this yeah. effort to get into field goal range like, against Georgia. We're, we're making plays, but then, making the back-breaking mistake yeah and both of those times were brady cook interceptions so it felt yeah. like you know it has kind of felt like at times as long as brady cook doesn't throw an interception we can win these games yeah in some scenarios it really felt like brady cook in one of the biggest areas of improvement for him this season was kind of that clutch play mm-hmm. uh where he just honestly whenever we have folded in the past he kind of just was was there making plays whenever I didn't think we'd be able to. Uh, obviously, he fell short in some massive spots too. So he, he definitely wasn't perfect in that department. And we just talked about Georgia maybe being the biggest example of that. Uh, and there was some moments in LSU too. But um, And hopefully that's something he can continue to build on next season. Well, but that's what he, I was going to say. Yeah. That was probably one of the biggest areas of improvement for him mm-hmm. from two seasons ago to this season. Yeah, and for him as a junior to sort of have this defining moment where he makes the play against Florida, gets it to the guy, uh, gets it to Luther Burden for the first down, and then they you know finish the game with a win. Doing that at home against Florida feels like, if you're like doing the storybook progression of Brady Cook's career, yeah. that sets you up to then, as a senior, be ready to make those kind of plays against the LSUs and Georgias of the world. Make, uh, make that type of play. Yeah. on the road against a top-tier opponent. Yeah, and I'm glad we ended up actually pulling the game out, too, because, you know, that 4th and 17 probably means nothing. We just forget about it if yeah. somehow Missouri doesn't pull 
yeah. pull off the win. Yeah. But uh, another classic game from this incredible season. And that leads us to the last game of the regular season at Arkansas. Arkansas having a very disappointing season. And, um, but still, it's like, okay, for the first time in a little while, Missouri comes into this game as the clear favorite, even on the road. And it's like setting us up for the embarrassment of losing at Arkansas when you have a special season going. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, you, you'd be crazy to not like have that in the back of your mind. Like this might be the worst possible time we could ever lose to Arkansas because yeah. they would be like ruining the, what we have going on. Yeah. But not even remotely a factor. No, nope. Missouri wins the game 48 to 14. Uh, Missouri's defense steps up 13 tackles for loss total. And, uh, just another, uh, you know, just a walk in the park for the offense. Yeah. Um, and then just a beautiful 24 to 48 hours of Arkansas Twitter just melting down. And yes. All the media people who are really actually just fans. Yeah. Uh, giving all their their um, sad takes and stuff. <laughs> it was a tradition like none other. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it it really, I don't know. Going into this kind of new iteration of the SEC, adding Oklahoma and Texas, um, feels like that's the time to kind of establish yourself in the pecking order to some extent. Yeah, and maybe that comes back to bite Missouri if we, you know, suck the next couple of years. But that's not the reality we're living in right now. We're living in the reality where Missouri won eleven games and showed that they are superior to South Carolina, Florida, Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, perfect season to do something magical. It's the last season of of the divisions, and the, some of these teams that we've been playing every year, we won't we won't see them for a while. Right. So we kind of get to get the last laugh with some of these teams that maybe we won't play for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, Oklahoma and Texas are are coming in thinking of Missouri as uh, you know a pretty dangerous team, and uh, like a cherry on top, just like sending KJ Jefferson, you know out to the farm basically just send in, him out to pasture yes basically in <laughs> end his in his career with the hogs on a low note He's, I, I think he transferred to ucf yeah 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 well no, yeah it's over might as well is that what you're trying to <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah yeah sure um yeah i mean like one of the maybe the best quarterback ever in the history of arkansas or something i don't know probably <laughs> and we're just like you know what you're done he was pretty banged up though yeah i think he got hurt uh <laughs> <laughs> literally literally like got injured in the game <laughs> like the first drive or something uh another 200 yard performance for cody schrader 217 rushing yards yeah that just became the expectation down the stretch which is just insane the performances he was stacking and we we would talk about earlier in the season like in the fourth quarter he he, he has another level like he does not slow down he does not show that he's tired he doesn't show wear and tear he multiple games this year had his longest rush of the game in the fourth quarter yeah he was punching it in to you know ice the game multiple times yeah cameron i was gonna make this a trivia time but it's just the it was just gonna be too easy and the trend the transition here is just too beautiful oh, but, okay uh you mentioned missouri being superior in the fourth quarter oh yeah you have any any guess what that point differential looked like in the fourth quarter of of their games in the just the second half of the season like kentucky through ohio state here let me yeah, let I me give like you the it, other quarters okay 
Uh, just in those games, first quarter differential in points, Missouri thirty-seven to twenty-seven. Okay, over their over their opponents. Second quarter, sixty-three to seventeen. So they Jeez. were really good in the second quarter of yeah. games for whatever reason. Third quarter, forty-six to forty-one. Okay. Uh, and the fourth quarter was their best. Wow. In point differential. So they're like plus. 60 in the fourth quarter pretty close uh 81 to 33 oh okay gotcha so wow. which in 33 14 of those 33 points that the opponent scored were uh, in garbage time against arkansas or right. they so, had not scored up until that point. exactly yeah. so yeah they really it just seemed like they were good when it mattered yeah. and uh cody schrader especially yeah it was just somehow he would just get stronger as the game was going on well that's coach drinkwitz in the celebration of the bowl <laughs> game yeah talking about fourth quarter we're stronger faster in the fourth quarter they yeah they showed it all season long and um yeah obviously you cap off the season with the win over ohio state which we've talked about recently enough we don't need to get into that too much but uh um defensively i i mentioned the injuries and stuff this stretch uh this second half of the season um they only gave up not including the bowl game the defense was giving up 19 points per game which is usually good enough to get you wins in the sec especially with the offense that's above average like they were this year and uh, johnny walker steps up uh um, christian williams stepped up all season he's just solid on the interior yeah and i felt like um with with Rakestraw going down, um, guys were stepping up left and right on the defense. Yeah. And that's like finally seeing it all come to fruition, what Coach Drink has been talking about with recruiting and bringing in transfers, talking about competitive depth, yes. depth and all that stuff. We saw it happen. Yeah. I and, you know, Obviously, this defense is going to be under a new coach, but I think that's something that we'll probably talk about all offseason is – how the best players of this defense were not available in the second half of the season or, you know, some of these games at the end of the season, and it didn't really feel like we missed a step. Yeah. And so, yeah, we might have a new, uh, we might have a new scheme. We're going to have a new coach. Uh, but I, I really do have faith in the guys that are still here uh, to really maintain the defense or at least good enough to, to have a special season again, potentially. Missouri, we'll have some time to talk about that though. That is true. Uh, Maybe someday we'll know who is going to be leading that defense uh, as far as the coach goes. Um, 11 and 2, 6 and 2 in SEC play. First double digit win season since 2014. Also, first bowl win since 2014. Just the seventh double digit win season all time. And uh, this was just an interesting little fact I found. The first 10 win season for Missouri football came in 1960. Wow. And I believe they only played 10 or 11 games. It's hard to compare because they didn't always play a 12-game regular season. Looks like that started in, like, 1977. So when they started playing 12 games in a regular season, the most Missouri had won. They won eight games twice in the 80s. They won eight games in... 1998 and then under gary pinkle they win eight games in 2003 eight games in 2006 then 12 and 10 with chase daniel in 0708 then 12 and 11 13 14 and now 11 and 2 in 2023 
Yeah. So Historically is, good. Yeah. And I, I mean, kind of random, but and it, it definitely doesn't feel good now. Uh, but 2023 was a really good year, really, for basketball and football. I mean, yeah. first tournament win in over a decade in basketball earlier this year. Great football season in 2023. Um, historically good. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, 2023 was, was pretty good to us. Yeah, and so maybe, you know, I can't necessarily blame all the uh, fans who are, you know, maybe a little bit over the top in their reaction to this basketball season because everything had been going really well for a while there, and this was kind of a pretty big drop back down to earth, but it's only temporary, and we have all football off season to relish in this, you know, historic Missouri Tiger team. Do you like relish on a hot dog? No, I like to relish in good moments, though. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. No, I'm just a ketchup hot dog person. That's fine. I like a chili dog. Put some chili and cheese on a hot dog. That sounds good. Yeah, I take that over relish every time. Okay. I could get into it if it was like deluxe, though. Maybe it's got to have a lot of stuff on it. I'm going to need It's just one of the many things. Yes. Okay. I'm going to need ketchup and mustard and a little bit of relish and some onions on top, maybe a little hot sauce. So you're either like ketchup or just everything. Well, I've never actually tried the everything. Okay. So that's the only way I could get myself to do it though. Um, 11 and two. Anything else about this uh, special season? Coach Drinkwitz just loving his players, loving his staff, and this is what happens. It's that simple. Any final thoughts? Not really. I mean, we covered it pretty well. Uh, I hope that we can replicate it or something close to it next year. How about the game we go to in person next year? They win. Uh, I'm good with that. They win 11 games, but lose the one we go to. Of course. Yeah. All right. Uh, Anything else for the folks? I think that's it. We have to do a Patreon episode just on hot dogs. (laughs) <laughs> maybe so <laughs> i know you could talk about hot dogs <laughs> have all the hot dogs lined up <laughs> like first one no condiments whatsoever like not, blind taste test yeah first one not even a bun <laughs> so i'm not a just a naked dog I, yeah I, i'll eat a naked dog absolutely right out of the microwave absolutely uh we go from a naked dog all the way to like the, the everything monstrosity <laughs> yes all right. Uh, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keynes, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, Louis Hernandez, and Joshua Jacobson. Thank you. Gentlemen, thank you very much. We love you. And you can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast or on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone. We love you as much as Coach Drink loves Blake Baker. We'll see you next week. That's unconditional love. Exactly. <laughs>